This is the final episode of 4 Out of 4, a podcast about sexual assault and harassment on college campuses. I think this episode warrants a special content warning. We talk about a lot of adult themes, particularly violent themes. This episode, I talk to my co-host, Mike Hunt, and a new guest, Reginald, about survey stories and Jane Doe's 3 and 4. This episode is dark, and at the end of this, I really started wondering, can things get better? Is there any hope? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so hello, listeners. This is Sophia and Sarah with 4 out of 4, a podcast about sexual assault and harassment on college campuses. Once again, this podcast is based on a survey I collected, my own experiences, the experience of my friends, and personal observations. So today, once again, give a final round of applause for your favorite, Mike Hunt. Hello again, everybody. <laughs> I, I obviously have nothing better to do very often. <laughs> I had to rope Mike in, so special thanks to Mike for being here for every episode. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I tried to Mike. bail today because I wanted to nap, but... And I, I was just like, it's okay, and then Mike was like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Mike. And new guest here, once again, a person with an XY chromosome. Ooh. Oh, Reginald, a.k.a. Reggie, a.k.a. Reg. A.k.a. Reg the Veg. Reg the Veg, that's right. That's right, exactly. So today we are gathered here to talk about abuse within relationships, um, which... Why are you guys laughing? You said we are gathered here today, like we're in church. I am funny, but... How would any of us know what church sounds like? Just kidding, you would, Sophia. You're a True. human, dude. True. Sorry. I'm like it's all choice. Probably all 90% factual. of the people listening. I was born this way. This is an actual factual podcast. <laughs> okay, so today we're talking about um, abuse within relationships, which is like probably the most fucked up topic we're going to have on this podcast. Fitting since it's the last one, I guess. Um, so I will do a like warning for listeners like if you can if you're easily upset by very fucked up stories you should probably not listen to this episode specifically there's a lot of dark shit going on here Alrighty. <laughs> on that note on let's that get note, going <laughs> i wanted to first talk about relationships in general just kind of like societal expectations i guess with reggie aka reg and mike because I think, like, in society, it's, like, super normal to ex- be expected to be in a relationship from, like, when we were very young. Yeah. You know? Definitely. Like, I felt like a loser in Valentine's Day if my crush didn't give me a card. Exactly. Given through middle school. It's I like... felt like a loser for a lot of reasons, but that was one of the aspects. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, um, like, name me seven Disney movies that don't have, there's not, like, a romantic relationship budding. You can't. Ratatouille. That's one. <laughs> oh no! There's the sh- there's the chef guy, the ginger oh. guy, and the sexy French sous woman. chef. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So right. all of them. Always a budding relationship. <laughs> Even uh, the animal movies, which is kind of fucked up. Yeah, I don't That's like. Kind of weird. Lady and the Tramp. Weird shit, man. We were watching dogs make out. Crossbreeding. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's just like this common thing to have instilled in like your being from a young age, but, like, that carries over even at this age. 
However, I would say that the roles have kind of like changed a little bit. So in defining relationships, I said that relationships vary in like three, let's say like three levels. So there's like hookups, which maybe just be like people you meet on Tinder, at the bar, party or something like that. Then there's fuck buddies, which are your more regular hookups, as in you sleep together like on a semi-regular basis. And then a full-on relationship where you sleep together on a regular basis and like sometimes don't bang while you're sleeping together true like you just pass out and hold hands in public yeah. and do things together with your friends yeah yeah so that, those are your three options here in college <laughs> or you could be single but i feel like in general you're expected to, like at some point in your career to partake in one of these three in your career like your college career, <laughs> career. yeah um pad the stats <laughs> So I asked in the survey um, that we've talked about previous episodes, like different kind of like situations that people felt harassed in. Um, so I asked, have you ever felt um, uncomfortable in an, have you ever been in an uncomfortable situation with someone you've met at a party? So 65.9% of respondents said no, 31.8% said yes, then 2.3% said maybe. Um, and if I'm like kind of funneling these out from our last episode where we do just kind of deep dive into party culture, um, someone said, I was at a frosh looking for a beer and this guy pulled one out of his pocket and said, you can have it if we share. I haven't been back to a frosh since. <laughs> oh, weird, dude. Weird. Yeah. Once yeah. again, come on, men. Don't be creepy like that. It's not hard. Just give her the beer. <laughs> or don't Back whip off. a beer out of your pocket. Yeah, why, That's why weird. Are you, are you waiting for someone to ask for a beer? What's, <laughs> what's, the, what's the goal there? Um, so then I asked the same question with um, like the hookup aspect. So have you ever experienced an uncomfortable situation with someone you met on a dating app where you felt uncomfortable with the sexual activity you were participating in? So 46 people responded to this question. 73.9% said no, and then 26.1% said yes. So, like, around one in four of the people responding said yes. So, this first one is kind of just a comment on, like, apps in general, which uh, we'll discuss. So, they said, I found that people using dating apps for hooking up generally only want to hook up. I have nothing wrong with hookup culture. It may not be my thing, but other people are into it, and I respect that. However, from all the app hooking up, up meet, meetings I've been on, I have found that the men treat the women they are hooking up with like objects to fulfill their desires. In a way, hookup culture is kind of like that. On the other hand, however, it is very degrading to be in a room with someone who does not care about your experience whatsoever, looks at you as if you aren't even a person, and will go to the extent of hurting you in order to get what they want out of it. And then the next one, also a commentary, said... Well, kind of a commentary, also a story. Said most of the guys I would start to talk to would start off nice and have a conversation, but then immediately jump into wanting to meet up and have sex or trying to sex me. One said, I'm trying, I'm, <laughs> sorry, this is kind of funny. Okay, one said, I'm getting a real dirty vibe from you when all I had talked about was my dog. <laughs> Another guy. Oh just, my God. <laughs> That's a big reach, dude. Yeah. Big Sexy. reach. Mm, um, puppies. <laughs> another guy just randomly started sending me nice photos of himself and videos of him masturbating. Oh. Not something I asked for. I definitely tried to make it clear on my profile 
that I was looking for someone who was interested in dating, but most of these guys jumped straight to sex despite me saying that's not really what's what I'm looking for right now. I have had so many conversations on Tinder that start with just a like, hey, what's up? Uh, and like having a three message back and forth and then it goes straight to, you wanna come over and fuck you dirty little slut? <laughs> like, oh, it escalates so fast. I like how like they ask you like, what's up? And you're like, not much, you. And they're like, not much. How big are your tits? Just like immediately. <laughs> That's so aggressive. That's like... I've never heard stories of the other side, really. Yeah, so, so this is all she new gets for me. weird. Yeah. So all three of us at our own times within the past year, year least, have been yeah. on like been for on sure. dating apps for varying amounts of time. I think across the board, all of us are just grossed out and delete them I, after like well, three days. I think collectively between Sophie and I and our two roommates, we've all probably downloaded and then deleted tinder like a hundred times probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just gross like after so many times of like thinking that i'm talking to someone nice and mm-hmm. then them immediately being like so like you want to fuck you dirty slut i'm like whoa uh, <laughs> there's only so much of that you can take for an extended period of time and after a while it's just like fuck this this is not yeah. worth it anymore it's just and gross. then a couple weeks later you get desperate again and think maybe it'll work out this time and the cycle very, continues. Very maybe he'll think I'm it. a nice slut. Yeah, maybe he'll think I'm a smart slut. Maybe yeah. he'll think I'm a cute slut and want to take me out to meet their parents after. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, like, obviously these apps are meant for people who want to hook up, but I don't understand, like, why it has to be so aggressive. Like, Agreed. why can't you, like, get to know someone a little bit? And, like, if that's not what you're into, that's fine, but maybe you should preface things. I feel like guys would have a lot higher success rate if they didn't escalate stuff that quickly. Like, yeah. if you'll have a conversation with me first, I'll be a lot more inclined to be like, oh, this person seems nice. Like, I'll totally fuck you. Like, but no, when you immediately send me a dick pic, I'm like, okay, time to delete Tinder. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of it, too, is, like definitely who you're meeting what type of person you're into to begin with and like i've met plenty of people there who i have hung out with where it isn't sex first it's like oh hang out get to know them some and then it becomes uncomfortable that way like there's all sorts of different ways yeah it happens i am I don't know, like, I also just, like, maybe it's just because, like, I'm not really one of those people, mm-hmm. but I have, like, a really hard time enjoying sex thoroughly with someone I do not know at all. Yeah. Like, I feel Agreed. like I need, like, a base connection, and, like, if you don't need that, cool, but, mm-hmm. like, don't expect other people to be the same, because yeah. I feel like that's not, like, a super common way of that. Because, like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, whether or not it's right, we're always taught, like, you should only have sex with someone that you think is really special and, like... If you're religious, that's until you get married. And if you're not, then it's just, like, until you feel like the time is right. But still, like, we have that mindset of, like, it should be kind of special. So I feel like for most people, like, that emotional connection is, like, kind of needed. Yeah, I agree. Or I need to be, like, six shots deep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One of those two things. Um, So another common trend with the responses from the survey was... Not necessarily, like, maybe someone that they meet on Tinder being pushy, but, like, them liking someone they meet on Tinder, and then, like, the other person wants to do things that they don't necessarily want to do, so they just go along with it to not make it awkward. So I'll read some of those responses now. I felt fully... Or, wow, I already... Two words in, and I fucked up. Beautiful. 
I felt awfully uncomfortable, but continued with what was happening so as not to make it awkward. Um, I'm, I've met up once and wasn't thrilled about the guy, but I just went through with it anyways. Met up on Tinder, met up with a Tinder girl for dinner, and while I was driving her home, she attempted to take my pants off while I was driving and give me head. That's just dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I told, so I told Mike this. I don't think I told you this, Reggie. So the other day, um, I was going home <laughs> and I was in this car and like, so there's two cars, like I'm the second car at the light and then like next to me, there's also two cars at the light and the car not next to me, but like next to me and in front of me. So like diagonal, um, I see that I see this kid in there and like the car behind them is like a huge truck with LED lights. So like I could see everything that's in this person's car. And it's just this kid, and he's just sitting there alone, and, you know, he's, like, waiting at the light. And suddenly, like, right before the light turns green, I see this, like, wave of blonde hair. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> someone. Someone was having a good day. Brownhead. And, like, how unfortunate to have that happen, like, with LED lights. Why would you choose to sit up at that moment? Wait till you're moving again, girl. Just, I, if you ever hear this, some advice. You're welcome. I was driving through Omaha one time and something like that happened but I was the guy had his windows down he was on I-80 going like 70 miles per hour I looked over and he made eye contact with me oh, no. <laughs> and, then, and then his girlfriend sat up no. and I was like well hello good, there good for you I guess okay mine, have a nice day, sir. mine is the worst <laughs> this was uh, while I was in high school I saw someone getting roadhead, but I was with my mom. Oh. <laughs> I was like 17 years old. Neither of us wanted to acknowledge what we just saw. It was very traumatic. Oh, oh my. God. So apparently roadhead is very common yes. around these parts. Around these parts. But maybe, maybe make sure you like talk about if you both want to do it before initiating. Yeah. Taking off someone's of pants. That, yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, and then this last one is, I met this guy on Tinder, and we agreed to meet up. I knew he wanted to have sex, but I was nervous because I hadn't had sex before. I met him anyways. He picked me in his truck behind my dorm, but we didn't go anywhere. We started making out, and he nudged me towards his pants. I realized then that I had gone a bit over my head, but I was too scared to just get out of the car and leave. I ended up giving him a blowjob. It was uncomfortable, but he was so into it. I felt like I had to keep going. Mm, yeah, that's a shitty feeling. Yeah. That so, yeah. so that's I actually have my own horror story with a hookup, and like I met this person on Tinder, but it was like a one-time thing. We had talked before and like hooked up like for a few months, so it wasn't like we were complete strangers. But so one night, like he asked me to pick him up and bring him to my place. Like we always hooked up at my place. I don't really like going to other people's places. Because I'm lazy, because I don't have a car, because I don't like to leave my house. Yeah. <laughs> the three reasons. And also safer to be at your own house. Yeah. Sure. That way if I get murdered, at least my roommates will immediately respond. And Maybe. Depends maybe. on how asleep I am. I'm a pretty <laughs> deep sleeper. Sorry, dude. <laughs> maybe I'll survive. Probably not. <laughs> so this night he asked me to pick him up, and I was like, okay, fine. So I go and get him, and he's like, he's a frat boy, so he's like plastered. And um, I was, I don't know what it was, but like the second we sat down on my couch at home, I was just like, mm, I don't really want to hook up with him anymore. But because we've been hooking up regularly and like I liked him fairly well, like he was nice to me. You know, like we could talk about politics and other things. He was also a journalism student, so 
like I was able to kind of talk to him about my classes and stuff and so we go upstairs and like I'm thinking to myself how do I not have sex with him in like as least of an awkward way as possible like I wasn't comfortable saying like I'm not gonna have sex with you before we did anything but I also just like didn't want to do anything like I didn't even want to make out with him so the second we get in my bed, I, like, play dead <laughs> like a possum. Like Ah, uh, the possum move. Ah, uh, the possum move. <laughs> the age-old trick. So I just pretend like I was asleep. And he knew that I was asleep, like, air quotes, asleep, fake asleep. But he, to him, he thought, like, to him, it was real sleep. So he s- suddenly, he, you know, I, I feel him, like, looking at me, like, hoping that, like, I turn around and, like, start making out with him or something. But then instead, he just starts, like, touching me, like, touching me mm. all over, like, grabbing my boobs, like, Ugh. grabbing my ass, like, just feeling all <laughs> parts of my body. Nope. And I just kind of froze, and, like, I'm not, I wouldn't say, like, a particularly, I don't know, like, duh, what's the word, submissive person, but I just kind of, like, in that moment, I was just, like, panicking. I was, like, I do not know what to do. Yeah, that freeze-up moment. It's yeah. real, and it's hard to avoid. Like, you can't really control it. Yeah, like, I and I was just thinking in my head, like, why am I still, like, just laying here? Like, why don't I move? Why can't I, like, raise my arm and, like, stop him? But finally, he, like, whispers to me. He's like, Sophie, wake up. And I was just like, I just turned around, and I was like, I don't want to have sex with you. And he was like, okay. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, you can stay here if you want. And I, like, really didn't want him to stay there, but he was like, I mean, I don't want to say that this is the only reason I came over, but, and I was like, yeah, okay. So then I just drove him home, which is funny because every time that we've hooked up before, I never let him sleep over. Like, I refuse. Like, I was like, no way in hell are you sleeping over. And he'd always be like, why? Like, it's just so much easier. Like, I'd love to cuddle with you at night. And I was always Boom. like, fucking uh, get out of my house. We all know that's not where you're here for. Um, but then this one time he was, he wanted to leave, which luckily I also wanted to leave. So I just immediately blocked him on everything. And I saw him actually a few weeks ago. And it was really, I just like, once again, froze in my seat and like glared at him. Yeah. But at least I was able to glare that time. That's good. A good glare. Good glare. It's yeah. Something. So similarly, um, here are some responses of people who, whose like Tinder dates or hookups or whatever got aggressive. So the first one is he picked me up and brought me to this house, to his house. Um, and the only way home was for him to drive me. I felt like he wouldn't take me back until we had sex. Scared that he would keep me there until it happened. I had sex with him. So he would drive me home. It's like a hostage situation, man. Yeah, not cool. Yeah, that's whack. I met a guy on Tinder and he tried to force himself on me and I had to call my friend to break into my dorm room, which is fucking scary. It's very scary. Um, yeah, freaky. No, thank you. We have a we have kind of a system where when one of us, not that any of us are going on Tinder dates anymore, but when one of us would go to one of those things, we'd be like, okay, text me like windows or something if you want me to call and make up an excuse for why I need you to come home. Which I think, um, so we got that idea because my dad, when I was like in eighth grade, was like, if you're ever like at a party or something and like you're uncomfortable, you should call me. And I was like, well, I think like we should maybe make a code word because I feel like that'll be easier for everyone. So we used windows. Like if I like texted him, like, I think I left my window open at home. Could you close it? Because I think it's about to rain. You know, he would know that something's wrong. So we have, like, the same thing. And, like, it's nice because it's not, like, a super obvious, like, 
let's go to the zoo, guys, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> it makes sense. It's something you'd think about yeah. later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. But definitely, I th- like, anybody listening, I think you, I strongly recommend doing that with your friends or, like, having some sort of accountability for them. We all have each other's locations mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. times, so, like, if one of us goes on a date or something, the other ones know exactly where they're going and how long they're there and that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'd always say, like, the first time I met someone on Tinder, too, like, all of my friends have my notif- like have my location. Don't if, fucking kidnap you, me and traffic me. Yeah, if you, like, it. kill me and kidnap me or something, like, they're going to know at least the last place that we were and what you look like and everything. So... Fun way to start a date. <laughs> <laughs> it, it worked most more most of the time. They were like, uh, "That's pretty weird," but okay. And then I would just start talking about murder. And I mean, <laughs> and that's that's the thing though. Like when somebody comes over for the first time, or you go over somewhere, there's always like the joke, like, "Oh, haha, don't murder me." Mm-hmm. Like that's always. I feel like that's always something that everybody jokes about. Yeah. And but it's so fucking possible. Exactly. Like that girl that got in that um, Uber, Uber yeah, and got stabbed. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. fucking crazy, insane. Okay. Freshman year, I hooked up with someone from Tinder, and I wasn't really down for what was happening, but he would say, I know you actually like it, and he was significantly uh, stronger than me, so I didn't try to fight back. Ugh. I know you actually like it. Uh, yeah, wow. You have to convince the other person that they like something, they don't like it. Yeah, Just or saying. if they don't vocally say, yes, good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yes, that's what I say, always. Yes, Just, please. I like that. <laughs> can I have some more, sir? <laughs> please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to use that sometimes. Yep. <laughs> mid-sex? Yes, mid-sex. Of course. That's, that's the new one. Rajiv, you don't use it? Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> Next time, I'll yell. I'll yell it. <laughs> I guarantee you we will... Just kidding. I can't say that. It's going to reveal yeah. who we are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, no, like, honestly, if people listen to all these episodes, they could easily piece together who I am, <laughs> the number of personal details I've given. Maybe. You literally described exactly what I look like in the first episode. So. There's so many people that look You've like you, You've changed your though. hair since then. Yeah, but everyone knows we're roommates. Yeah, you're right. I have changed my hair since then. Good save, Reggie. Um, <laughs> all right, moving on before this gets weirder. Um, an innocent exchange of sexy and clothed pictures turned into full-fledged one-way sexting that was aggressive and unwanted. One-way sexting. How hot. Great. Not sexting. Oh. That's cute. He made me feel like a porn site, and I feared he was going to try to come to my physical location. And that's another thing. Like it, Sometimes... I would give my address to this guy that I wanted to hook up with, and then, like, he said something, and I was like, never mind. And then I'm always like, oh, now you know where I am, though. Yeah. Now I have to move. <laughs> We've moved, like, eight times. <laughs> um, and then, so, so someone said, freshman year, I lost my virginity to a person I met on Yik Yak, or whatever it was called. Um, I invited them over, and they wouldn't leave until I, I satisfied their sexual endeavor. Ew. And then finally someone said I was assaulted and raped by someone I met on a dating app. So, like, it can wow. be dangerous, which is scary. And, I like, it's so hard to come up with, like, good, like, rules of thumb. But I think, like, one, make sure that other people know exactly where you are and who you're with. Two... Like, you have set boundaries with yourself. That way you know, like, exactly what you're willing to do. Three, have an escape plan. And four, go with your gut. Like, if you, like, the second you get in a car with someone, you're like, oh, no. 
Like, you don't have to stay. You can leave at any point. And I think coming from the opposing view, and not opposing view necessarily, but the opposing sex. Yes. Um, I think however awkward it is, being able to be upfront with someone and be vocal is important, regardless of like what point you're at in meeting them. Like if it's before you meet them and you're like, this is... Yeah, this is it. This like, is it or whatever. More. Exactly. I think that's important. And I think especially... You can tell the character more when you are able to talk about that Mm -hmm. with someone. Yeah. You can, obviously, we're not saying, like, you have to set these boundaries. And then, like, you can't, like, have sex with them after. Like, you can change your mind either way at any point. You can go into, like, an encounter with someone and be like, I'm not having sex with them. And Mm -hmm. then be like, oh, yes, I am. And, like, vice versa. You could go in being like, we're totally going to bang. Then, like three seconds then be like never mind not into this yeah yeah especially if you're just meeting someone for the first time if it's Mm. someone you haven't hooked up with before you don't know if you're going to be physically attracted to them once you finally see them in person Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that's for guys too like i feel like sometimes guys feel like they have to go through with like sexual Mm -hmm. encounters but like you do not have to if you are not interested in it yeah no one would judge you for that well, no one that's, like, a good person. Exactly. Yeah, maybe some people will judge you, but they're probably not worth it. They're dicks around. anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. So then this next um, set of questions isn't quite relationships, but just, like, I asked, have you been in an uncomfortable, like, sexual encounter with someone that you knew fairly well? So there was 44 responses for this. 50% said yes, and 50% said no. So quite a few people said that they've just had unwanted sexual activities, like, with someone that they knew pretty well. Um, which I'm assuming could like probably mean like friends or mm-hmm. like acquaintances that you hang out with. Or exes even or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Then um, I had consensual sex with a guy once, drunk but aware. Then the second time I was blackout drunk and it wasn't consensual. I laid there kind of unable, kind of aware but unable to do anything. And then I was close friends with a guy this soph- my sophomore year. Over the summer we were both bored so we tried dating. Why not? Um, One night, I was over at his place late, and I was too tired to drive home. We cuddled, then made out, and things heated up. He asked if he could go down on me, and I said yes. I was still very inexperienced. I figured it should feel good, but it didn't. It hurt a lot, and he was too aggressive. He probably would have stopped if I had just said something. He was a nice guy. However, being sexually assaulted by a boyfriend in high school, I was too scared or upset to speak up. I felt trapped, probably from the flashbacks, and figured I would just wait it out. Mm-hmm. There's the phrase, once again. It wow. is It is so common, and I always thought, like, I was the only one who felt it, like, who felt, like, that just, like, weird, like, deer-in-the-headlights moment. Yeah, it's totally real. That's it, happened to so many people I know, including myself, so many times. You yeah. just freeze, and you're like, I will just either go possum, or I will wait through this. Yeah, and it's hard, because, like, yeah, this person might be right. Like, maybe if they did say something, like, he would have stopped. But it's so hard, I guess, sometimes to, like, read what the other person's thinking. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the occasional, like, checking in on something, especially, mm-hmm. like, with someone that you're not really, like, super familiar with, is good. Like, be like, is this okay? Exactly. Like, this one guy I used to hook up with pretty regularly would do that. And, like, at first I thought it was weird. But, like, now I'm like, that's it's so good that he did that because if he was doing something that hurt me. I would that would be the perfect time for me to say like actually like no I don't want you to do that anymore exactly and it's hard to tell not hard to tell necessarily but especially when 
I feel like it is becoming more mainstream for people to like pleasure and pain go together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is good to have that and be able to ask, is this okay? Even when they are someone who's like, oh, I'm into pain, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But some like, and you never know to what level. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That can be taken too far so Mm -hmm. easily. Yeah. For sure. Um, and then, so this last one is, realized I wasn't into after we started having sex, despite having consented at the beginning, I found myself pretending to enjoy it for the sake of the other person, which is another thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I know um, in media and movies, like, they always joke about like, women pretending mm-hmm. to climax, but I don't even think it's like that at this point. Like, I, I myself have pretended just to enjoy sex when I was, like, over it Yeah. for a while. So that's also just something to keep in mind. So then this last question I asked in the survey that has to do with relationships said, have you ever experienced any relationship abuse from a significant other? And then I made, gave some examples like gaslighting, emotional abuse, physical abuse, um, manipulative tendencies, etc. So for this one, 16 people responded. 59.6% said no. 2.1% said maybe. And then 38.3% said yes. So I'll read some of those responses. Um, I had a boyfriend for three years in high school who didn't want me to have any other friends, and if I wasn't hanging out with him, I couldn't hang out with anyone. We eventually broke up because things just weren't working out anymore, and he got a new girlfriend. She began to physically abuse me in the hallways at school to the point where she got suspended for shoving me into lockers on more than three occasions. Oh, my God. She also got kicked out of show choir competitions for coming in and yelling mean names at me during our performances on stage. (sighs) Whoa. Once they broke up, she apologized and blamed it all on him. Not quite sure if I believe it was him, but I honestly have no idea. I mean, I'm sure it was both. Yeah. Fuck both of those people. Yeah, they sound like a creepy, insane match made in hell. Yeah. Good God. My ex-boyfriend would hit me when drunk, which, uh, God. I was in an emotionally and mentally abusive relationship a few years ago. He would make everything my fault, essentially. And I experienced emotional abuse for three years before it turned physical. I did not realize the emotional abuse until the physical abuse, I said that weird, physical abuse started. I left him after the physical abuse got so bad that the police needed to be involved. Wow. Um, And then constant lying and emotion and mental abuse in order to try and hide the lies about cheating and where they were. And then four different people said just like manipulative tendencies, unconsented sex, grabbing arms too hard. When I was a freshman, I was dating a junior, and he would gaslight me and make me, make me seem like I was crazy when I would express any sort of concern if he said something that worried me, and he was emotionally abusive. I was in a relationship for over a year that involved gaslighting and emotional abuse. My now ex-boyfriend constantly belittled me and told me that I was stupid, out of shape, and that I would never find anyone else. Wow. He convinced me that I would never have a successful career. After a year of dating, I was suspicious that he was cheating on me because he would hide his phone, even though he made me have made me let him have his fingerprint programmed into my phone so I, he can look at whenever. I found messages on a fake Instagram account between him and other girls where he was professing his love to them and telling them how sexy they were. Somehow he convinced me that I was in the wrong for having looked at his phone in the first place. He made me feel like a literal crazy person. I can't even count the number of t- panic attacks I had that he induced. Next, a partner used our shared mental health troubles to gaslight me, make me believe that I was unstable and imagining negative aspects of our relationship that were actually true. 
Wow. Then telling me that their friends thought bad of me and their friends thought I was using them when they were really using me. And the final one is, I had a boyfriend who used my own emotions against me and took advantage of my feelings for him by using my car, gas, utilities to get out of his own house. This boy ended up cheating on me and actually ventured to Craigslist to find women to sleep with. That was fun to deal with. (laughs) Wow. Um, What a fucking loser. Yeah. When I tried to talk to him about it, he would blame me for all what was wrong and get mad at me for reacting to his mistake in the first place. Following this, I was dumb enough to try and forgive him for it. When we would hook up, um, it was the only time he would actually be nice to me or tell me he loved me. This manipulative behavior caused me to think that the only way to fix our problems was to engage in sexual activity. So one thing I think in relationships, especially once they're over, it's like important to evaluate like what you've done wrong or right in a relationship because like no one's perfect. Like I've been in really shitty relationships, but that doesn't mean that like I was the perfect one in the relationship. I was just like the less maybe abusive one. Uh, and it's just like if you're if your partner is incapable of admitting when they're wrong, I feel like that's a major mm-hmm. major red flag. Yeah. yeah. And when it comes to just talking about the problems after breaking up with someone, talking about those things with not not the ex. Yeah. Like a lot of people will be like, "Oh, what did I do wrong?" and like text that person. And I think it's really important to talk to your friends, talk to your parents, talk to whoever you're comfortable with. Yeah, be like, what did you see that exactly, I was doing? Exactly, yeah. because they're going to have the level-headed opinion usually. They're mm-hmm. not going to be like, wow, you fucked it up for them. Yeah. yeah. They're going to tell you what was actually happening usually. Yeah, I, th- I think it's like definitely important to like be able to talk to your friends about stuff and like have them call you on it. Mm-hmm. When Mike and I first met, I was dating this person and then like after a year we broke up like a year of me knowing Mike we broke up and like it was nice having Mike and like the rest of our friends there because they were all able to check me on what I did wrong but also remind me like what you did wrong wasn't bad enough to warrant what was going on yeah. in the relationship exactly and it's also important to keep in mind just how relationships like don't even necessarily have to be romantic like when we're talking about sexual assault and harassment so I'll read some of these um a lot of these are kind of difficult just because they're like related to families which is always just so fucked up when you hear about it but so when I asked respondents if they've been like in an uncomfortable sexual situation with someone they knew 46 people responded 45.7 percent said no and 50 percent said yes and then 4.3 percent said maybe so when i asked for details people would say like it was their friends someone said it was their grandfather and then another person said it was their cousin Hmm. so we'll go into some of the longer responses so consistent inappropriate touching followed by sorry as if it was a mistake but to be honest there's only so many times an older guy coworker can actually touch your butt before it com- becomes weird. Mm-hmm. We were both lifeguards at the same pool. We were practicing our water rescue skills, and one of them involved swimming up behind your partner and grabbing them under their armpits and helping them swim to the wall. I was partnered with a male coworker, and instead of grabbing under the armpits, he reached around and grabbed me by the breasts. Wow. It was clearly not an accident. I reported it to my manager, but he just laughed and said I should be flattered. What? 
Which is like... Fire him. Yeah, which is fucked up on the employee's part. And then also the boss, Mm -hmm. like, what? Mm. That is not okay. I've had things like that where uh, I worked at golf courses a lot growing up. And those are very, very, like, traditional venues for, like, employment. Especially when it comes to, like, hiring pretty girls and stuff like that for all of the rich white like mm-hmm. members of the golf course 80 year old men exactly and there was a lot of that where they hire all of these 18 to 22 year old girls and then even like my manager would be like go stand there and be pretty stuff like that like just very uncomfortable situations where it didn't feel like my place to be like you shouldn't say that while I'm in front of guests as well mm-hmm. and it's yeah. just like because you would have probably been super fired. uncomfortable yeah. stuff yeah exactly that's so fucked. Like, uh, if you're an employer and you're just, like, incapable of, like, uh, holding your coworkers accountable, like, you are just, like, a complete piece of shit mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, should not be in charge of anyone. Sometimes I think as a leader you have to bite the bullet and, like, take an L every once in a while in order to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But this is the society that we live in, people. Okay, so I was followed home and assaulted by a friend who thought that they had permission to do so because we were both drunk. His efforts were deliberate because I was actually talking to his friend at the time, and he definitely knew this. I had videos saved from that night of my assaulter saying hi to the guy that I was seeing. Yet when I woke up, my pants were off, and I was next to someone I would never, ever gauge in sexually or even flirtatiously. Mm. Then sexually harassed by my boss at work, (laughs) he would say things like, the girls are looking nice today, and show yeah. me your tan lines, and long grabs and hugs. Oh, God. So fucking gross. In high school, my boyfriend sexually assaulted me. We hadn't been dating long, but he came to my house to pick me up. He took me on a walk around the neighborhood and then to the playground. I thought we were just cool kids going to the park. Nope. We had to take the small ladders up to the slides, and he kept grabbing my butt after I told him to stop. Then when we got to the top, it all went to crap. He was like twice my size and trapped me on the platform when he laid on top of me. He grabbed my boobs, my butt, shoved his tongue down my throat, and humped me relentlessly while I tried to escape. Oh. Ew, so he just like forced her to dry hump? Or he just dried hump on her? What is that? Icky. <coughs> that is icky. It's, um, it's crazy how, I don't know, I've dated a couple girls who have had experiences like that where... They it they don't talk about it right away, of course. Like, it's something that takes time to, like, they put walls up and all that stuff. And it's crazy how much of an effect it can have on someone, like, two, three years down the line. Like, just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, a girl I dated, like, her boyfriend in high school had assaulted her multiple times, like, coerced her into sex when he was drunk and she hadn't been drinking. And that's how she lost her virginity. And then... Uh she would talk about it and be like like I still consider myself a virgin because I don't want that to be what it was yeah yeah and just listening to like the hurt in her voice and stuff like that it's just like heartbreaking because it's like you can't change it and you can't mm-hmm. take away that yeah thing, and it's I guess. it's just so hard because then it's like every time you're in a re- like relationship after something like that happens mm-hmm. it's just so hard to like not keep that in mind like it's always in the back of your mind i think and just be vulnerable and you don't want to be yeah exactly okay so then this is the last one um it was i was eight the first time it happened i was 10 the second time it happened my old my older brother was supposed to be babysitting us 
Each time it happened, I woke up to find my night light had been turned off and someone was in the bed with me, touching me. The first time it happened, I thought that a stranger snuck into our house. I was afraid that he would kill me if I moved, so I stayed as still as possible and let it happen. Part of the way through, I realized the only person he could be was my older brother. The second time it happened, I knew it was him and thought I could fake that I was about to wake up and move slightly. He figured it out and immediately left. Minutes later, he came back and told me he was sorry and that he was my brother and he loved me. He said he'd had too many drinks while celebrating high school graduation with his friends. I was afraid of him, so I just nodded. He left. I still have problems talking to guys and establishing boundaries with them. I also have pretty severe mental health problems that spiked after these occurrences. Um, when in intimate situations, I found that I can't speak up very well. It's kind of similar to the way I stayed silent when I woke up in bed with someone when I was eight. It doesn't matter how well I know the person or how comfortable I feel. It feels like I have something stuck in my throat and I can't say anything at all. I hate it. I slept with a nightlight until I was 17 years old because I was afraid of what could happen in the dark. I still sleep with a nightlight. Not for the same reason. Let's <laughs> try to lighten the mood. <laughs> I don't think you can lighten the mood up for that one. Yeah, that one's fuck up, fucked up. So, I mean, I think the point of all of these is just, like, the most important thing is, especially with the ones that are, like, established relationships, is it's just such a violation of the trust that's supposed to be there. And that, once that um, trust has been fucked with, it is hard to, like, allow yourself to have that kind of trust with anybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Especially, like, like someone... Like, your brother or a grandparent or a cousin Mm -hmm. or just, like, a friend. Like, I feel like those are a little different even because you're not expecting, like, any sort of sexual Mm -hmm. intimacy with them. Yeah. So, like, the fact that it's happening and then the fact that it's happening without your consent, like, just is kind of compounding. It makes it even worse. Okay, so now we're going to move on to Jane Doe 3 and 4. So, these are... Two women that have agreed to, like, they met with me in person and we talked about it. Obviously, because of their stories, they're going to remain anonymous. And you will see why as we talk about them. You, so You interviewed them together? No, separate. Okay. So, on, so on two different occasions, okay. yeah. But both of their stories have something to do with, like, relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah. Jane Doe, number three. She's a law student at the University of Nebraska. And she says, like, I think the biggest thing that's changed ever since her experiences was that she realized that even though she works out a lot because she wants to feel like she could protect herself, she's realized, like, someone who hasn't been to the gym since he left high school can still be so much stronger. So just kind of, like, that fear of being weak in order to protect yourself. And then she says she has friends stay over because it stresses her out that she can't defend herself. And she even lives in a place with a secured entry, but she's still just, she still, like, is super traumatized. For example, she gets nightmares all the time. She keeps her pepper spray right by her bedside table. And she was like, I hate that this is what I need to do just to sleep at night, which is completely Mm -hmm. fair. Yeah. So let's go back to her freshman year as an undergrad. She was still going to UNL, um, which is common. I think a lot of people that go to UNL's law school, like, came here for undergrad. She was studying history, and she was, like, pretty involved. Um, after her experiences, she became an RA, uh, and we'll explain that later. So freshman year, she says this is, like, her biggest incident, 
and this is where the cops had to get involved. So this is what happened. She went to high school and she got a, she had a boyfriend for a few years and she said that their relationship wasn't really healthy and it got worse as they went to college. Uh, they both came from Omaha. Uh, so Omaha is pretty close. A lot of people that come to UNL are from Omaha or Lincoln. So this is like a pretty common trend amongst college students here. She said it seemed like a bad way to make a life a big life choice and we have different expectations of what like moving together for college meant. His expectation was that he would spend every single moment with her and hers was that she'd be able to make friends. However, she was unable to hang out with anybody in her first three months of college because he never let her alone. So she would like cry herself to sleep at night. So the only people she really knew was her boyfriend and his friend. So he would invite himself along to events, felt like he was part of the girls, and he would be offended if he wasn't invited to something like that. It's so, like if there was like events on her floor and like only girls were allowed, he would like get pissed if they said like, no, you can't come. But she's not really confrontational and she would try to avoid fights with him and agree to whatever. Um, and she said he was pretty scary when he was angry too. And they dated about for two, they dated for about two years. So eventually he broke up with her. And she was like, I had never been broken up with before and I was devastated, but looking back, it was for the best. But they would still spend time together, like mm. all the time. Hmm. So like they're broken up, but he's still demanding all of this time and attention from all her. Right. And she's like, I don't really remember how it happened. Like she explained to me like, you know, like the day after like they went and got coffee and then like the next day it was like coffee and lunch, like so on, like slowly got more and more and they were just hanging out as much as they had been before. So she was like, I had kind of low self-esteem and he was such a big part of my life before. It was really hard to adjust to college without him, which is fair. Yeah. College is so scary. Like, mm -hmm. it's so nice to cling to the people that you do know. No, I totally get that. I went into freshman year of college with the guy I was dating in high school. Same. And well, yeah. Vice versa. Yeah. yeah. So it is really like it's a comfort, especially with that big transition. Yeah. For sure. And if he wanted to hang, she'd say yes. Like, that was her identity pretty much, just, like, mm -hmm. hanging out with him. So they get back together. So then three weeks after that, they broke up again. Um, and this is a week before finals, so that's a dead week. Oof. Um, and she said, if you care about anyone at all, you wait until after finals to dump them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which Definitely. is very fair. <laughs> like, finals fucking blow. You Like, you don't have to hang out with them, but, like, Avoid them or something, you know? Like, yeah. be like, I'm busy studying. Yeah. So are you. So she said that was the first time she's ever failed a test was after that. Aww. So beginning of second semester, this guy in class asked her out. Um, and she slowly started making friends with girls on her floor. And after a few months, she started to get to meet new people when he wasn't around. And he, he's kind of nocturnal. So, like, he would sleep a lot during the day and then, like, be up at night, which is me. <laughs> are, you, are you talking about the guy she... Her, her ex, yeah. Oh, they still live together? No, no, like, I think he would just still, like, linger. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I think the fact that it, he saw her with someone else triggered something, and he mm -hmm. was like, we need to get back together. Boom. So, instead of doing anything normal, like calling or texting, he decided to sit outside of her dorm room oh from 6 p.m. until whenever she came home. That's so scary. So girls on her floor um, were texting her being like, hey, do you know your boyfriend's here or your ex is here? Like, he's been waiting for you for a few hours now. But then that kept her from coming home because she was like, no fucking way am I going there knowing mm -hmm. that he's there. Yeah. And she was thinking to herself, like, remembering him, how he's scary and angry. She was thinking, like, does he have a knife? Like, mm -hmm. what does he have? 
So she did things. He, she now says, like, a lot of the things he did were definitely red flags, but because it was her first relationship, it was really hard for her to kind of, like, recognize that. Definitely. He would get violent, push for things that she wasn't ready for sexually. He was really controlling. Like, it was his way or the highway. Mm-hmm. Anything that she was uncomfortable with, he would just guilt her, and she would start crying because she felt bad. She felt like her feelings weren't valid, but then he'd, like, yell at her. He was significantly stronger than him than her. Um, like he would grab her arm, and she couldn't like get away from his grip. Which one of my exes actually have, has done that to me a few times. Like we would get in arguments, and he like grabbed my arms or like push me. And I didn't think he, like he's not like a he wasn't a particularly like fit person. I would say, but like, like even when a guy isn't fit, like they're stronger. Especially with me, like personally speaking, like they're always going to be stronger. Yeah. And I thought, like, I'm pretty strong, but I have yet to date a boy that I'm stronger than. Um, any form of, like, grabbing or anything like that, that just shows you so much aggression right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it doesn't, like, even if it's not, like, a hard grab, like, I've seen people where it's, like, they just grab their hand or something in public. And it reminds me of, like, when I was little and my parents grabbed my hand when they're mad at me. But it's, yeah. like... Yeah. The, the levels are even now almost and it's like messed up that way yeah it's like you're you're putting a new power dynamic exactly. in your situation like your circumstances with each other physically mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's actually uh this couple at my high school and our health teacher told us about it after it happened because one of the students got kicked out but just to talk about healthy relationships and stuff and this guy the girl had really long hair and they would walk down the hallway and he would put his arm around her, but hide his hand under her hair and grab her neck. Oh, my so, God. So, like, if she, like, looked somewhere, he would turn it back and stuff oh, like that. That is and, terrifying. Yeah, he got kicked out of school and, like, Good. the police were involved and stuff like that. But it was, like, she was super scared to, yeah. like, say anything to him. And... Imagine how many times he's done that and then, exactly. like, in private been, like, if you fucking, like, don't mm-hmm. turn your head, I'm going to just snap your neck. Exactly. God, like a straight-up puppeteer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so fucking scary. Okay, so she's um, so at this time, like, he's sitting outside of her dorm room, and she's out with a couple of her friends. And she was like, I forced them to stay out two, lo- two hours longer than we normally would have because I did not want to go back. So finally they get back. It's 2 a.m., and she's like, okay, we just need to come home now. So she knew the night desk clerk, and she asked if it was possible for them to leave the desk and walk her to her room. And the clerk was like, no, but why? And that's when she started thinking, like, so during their relationship, he also had said, like, he would kill himself and he would hurt himself if she, like, wouldn't take him back. So she kind of felt, like, a little bit responsible for him. And especially, like, with having him outside of her dorm room, she really wasn't sure what was going to go on, like, what the situation was calling for. So she told this clerk, like, I know John's been sitting out there for a few hours, so I just, like, I'd feel safer if someone could walk me. So the clerk said, I'm calling the CSO, so you know how it's campus security officers, CSOs, and they, like, normally just, like, walk around buildings, like, once a night, like, make sure everything's, like, calm and fine. But they do respond to situations if they need to. So the CSO was going to walk her up to the floor, but by that point, she's, like, shaking with fear. She was, they were getting off, like, closer to the elevator. They got off, and she hid behind a pillar as the CSO went to talk to him. So the CSO was like, uh, what are you doing? Like, why are you out here? 
And in his mind, so in the, her ex's mind, it was this big romantic gesture, like someone did it in a movie and rom-coms. And she was like, because rom-coms are healthy and normal representations of what we should emulate our <laughs> lives from. So the cops talked to them both separately, and he asked what she wanted done. She was just like, I just want it to go away. So he was like, okay, well, I'm going to charge him with something. That way there's a record. So, yes. the co- so the cop charged him anyways, but she said she was like, no, and but he didn't anyways. And he said he might spend a night in jail. So the next day, him, his roommate, and his mother all called her, telling her to get back with him. And they were, like, berating oh her for God. having the cops involved and said that they needed to get back together. And she was like, this is just super manipulative. Like, his mother has never called him before. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, out of all those people, fuck that boy's mom. True. Yeah. Fuck you, lady. And it, be on her side so not cool. Sure. It, it really troubles me how, like, a lot of moms with, like, sons that do these kinds of things, instead of recognizing, like, oh, shit, you fucked up, they're like, that bitch. Like, yeah. like... You made my son look bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what? Like once again, sorry to bring up Brock Turner, but like his yep, fucking exactly. family, like yeah. his mom even is like, his he's a good kid. Over. His life is over. Uh, like, you should feel bad for him. And it's like, sorry that you raised your son and like, and he's a rapist. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're a nice enough person, but if you can't recognize that he did something wrong, you suck. And yeah. you're a part piece of, the of shit. You're part of the for problem. Sure. Yeah. So he kept calling her for a couple of weeks until it was Valentine's Day, and that was the last time he called. But every single time, she was shaken up and scared, when she, and especially like when she'd see him on campus. Yeah, you have to walk around on the same campus with this kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she set it up with the university so um, they couldn't take the same classes or be in the same building at the same time. So before, her, before this all happened with her... At UNL, you have these things called N cards, and they're pretty much just our student ID cards, but, like, you can buy stuff with them. Um, you can access certain buildings with them, depending on your majors. So you can also access your dorm your dorm hall. Uh, but before, when she was a freshman, your N card could get you into any residence hall you wanted. It's still like that, actually, for the most part. Oh, really? Yeah, if wow. you live on campus, you can get into most other buildings on campus, unless it's, like, the honors. Yeah. Homes. Okay. I, th- I also think after a certain time, like after 12, you can only get into your yep. hall specifically. Yep. But before, like at any point at, in the night, you can get into any building. Mm-hmm. So th- they made that change because of her, because of this situation mm-hmm. with her ex. Wow. Um, so you have to check in now and all yeah. that stuff. Yep. So he eventually transferred, um, but she talks about like after the fact, kind of the shit she got for it. A lot of people that she thought were her friends kind of turned on her. And everyone thought she was making it up because he was Catholic. Hmm. And they're good people. And, like, Catholics are good people. They're all great. And she was like, but all of my friends weren't Catholic. So I don't understand why they think, like, being a Catholic is, like, some good trait. So she couldn't walk. She was just afraid to go anywhere on campus, especially at night. And she was so afraid that he would just come out of nowhere. So she blocked him on everything. He followed her on Twitter, and then he unfollowed her, and I think he blocked her after that. Uh, and they still have people that consider themselves mutual friends, but she doesn't really consider them friends because she finds it really hard for people who can reconcile what he did so easily to, like, be her friend. Mm-hmm. So when she was an RA after that, she was super vigilant about how, like, the boyfriends of her residents were treating them and that kind of a thing and she told all of her girls what a healthy relationship is and she was like i don't care when you're in 
or if you're unsafe, like, please just call me and I'll take care of it. So that was like her first, I'd say like super fucked up experience. And that was with her boyfriend of like two years. So this next one is a dating app. And this is the same girl or? Yes, same girl. So she's like, I've definitely used them. Like it's, I think it's normal thing. And like, I don't think like the stigma is really there anymore. Like I feel like it's a common enough thing. Maybe like with older demographics, but I think within our age group, it's pretty normal. Mm. So she's talked about like how a few times, like when she goes on dates, she feels like she can't say no to things. And like she pretends to cough. So that way they stop like trying to kiss her. Or she'll say like, I have an online test in a few hours. Like I need to leave. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Um, and she says, I normally don't go into someone's house on the first date, um, and I don't like to get in their car if I've never met them, which are, like, very good things yes, to do. Mm-hmm. And she's like, sometimes it's, like, a third date, and I feel like it's not that weird, but suddenly it gets weird, which I've, I've happened. Like, mm-hmm. there was this one guy, and I was seeing him for a few months, and then just one day he was, like, in a weird mood, and then after that, like, every time we hung out, I was just like, I don't know what it was, but that one day, like, completely ruined it. So I definitely get that, like, sudden, like, oh, weird, I don't, I actually don't like you. Mm-hmm. So she talks about, like, last summer she met this guy on a dating app, and on paper they were great together. They were really similar with their goals in life, and she, that made her really want it to work, which I totally, once again, understand, because it's not like you can really figure out what someone wants to do with their life on an app, and if they do open up about that, it's, like, hopeful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe they're not a complete idiot. um so she says that she like physically can't have kids and he didn't want kids and that's a deal breaker for a lot of the guys that she's been talking to wow so they were dating and she grew up in southern california before she lived in omaha so she doesn't really have this like weird midwestern obsession with tornadoes (laughs) so they're at this point they've been talking for two weeks and hanging out a lot and there was a tornado warning, and she was freaking out. So he said, if you're that scared, you can sleep at my apartment. <laughs> and she was like, I'm not fucking sleeping with you. Mm-hmm. So then he agreed, and he was like, okay, well, it's 2 a.m., and we're fooling around. And so she, I guess she decided to stay, and she was just like, fine, whatever, I'll just stay. So there, the agreement was like we're not gonna like have sex we're just gonna like i'm just gonna be here like we can make out and maybe other things but we're not like having sex so it's 2 a.m and they're fooling around and then he decides he needs a blowjob so she was too tired to drive home and still freaked out about the tornado and said i'm not doing that and he kept asking her and pushing her head down and then she was just like like fine i'll do it oh the head push nothing makes me angrier than the head push the head push if you've ever seen Big Mouth, they do an episode on it. It's mm-hmm. I've been head pushed way too many times. It's just the most infuriating thing. It's so degrading, and I always just snap my head back up, and I'm like, what are you doing? The no. second a guy does that to me, I'm like, nope, this isn't happening. No. Fuck you, bye. It's gross. Nice it's, fucking try. Once again, just like a control thing. Like, you're physically trying to control someone yeah. mm-hmm. to, like, get you off, which is so fucking gross. So she says, in retrospect, that's when she should have left. But as you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So she moved really slowly with people normally um, because it takes her a lot to be comfortable with someone, especially after her ex. And she said it was really difficult for her to hook up with people. Like she doesn't have sex with people she meets for months. So that was really out of character for her. And she felt sick about it for the next couple of days. 
and she doesn't know if he's seeing other people, if there's, if he's like had STD testing or anything like that. And she wants to talk these things out and she wants to take things slow. So later on, she realizes that when they agreed like to the terms of sleeping over, he meant everything but sex was on the table. Like he wanted to do everything but sex. And she was like, I meant every, like all of our clothes are staying on. Like we can mess, like mess around otherwise. Mm -hmm. And he complained a lot because he said he'd never had to wait more than two weeks for sex. Oh, boo fucking who. And he's, and she lives in a different town. So that was extra work. Oh, my God. And then he apologized when she, like, refused to break down for him. So she was like, okay, I wanted it to work. And there was and there was a series of going to the pool, and they'd get drunk, and then they'd fool around. And she'd always get more drunk than him because he would keep giving her alcohol. Hmm. And then one time she remembers lying on the bed naked, getting and but not getting herself naked, and him naked. And then she said, don't cross the line. And he said, I'm not. And she's like, I was so fucked up. Like, I was not able to consent there. And, and also, she clearly said, don't, don't cross, cross the line. line. Yeah. That doesn't scream no. Yeah. No one else. Yeah. So she says, like, just because there's, uh, like, just because you're drunk and you're dating doesn't mean it's not sexual assault and rape, exactly. which is 100% true. Mm-hmm. So she says that for everyone, so she believes that's, like, for everyone, but she has a really hard time believing that kind of stuff for her which I understand that's so much easier to criticize yourself compared to others. And he would stick his dick halfway in and say, this isn't sex. And she's like not ready to have sex. And he's like, it isn't. And she's thinking like, oh, this is. And she has endometriosis. So sex can be extremely Mm -hmm. painful for her. So it's something she's normally really cautious about. And it compounds because like, that's another reason why she wants to wait a lot of the time because Mm -hmm. like it's super painful. And she said, if I want to risk having someone hurting me, I want to make sure it's worth it. Yeah, and you want to make sure you're close enough with them and can trust them enough to know that you can tell them exactly what's going on and exactly exactly what you need. Yeah. So at that point, she just gave in, and she was just like, whatever, we've already had sex. She was like, it wasn't enthusiastic, not consent. Like, I wouldn't just like to have sex and blowjobs on demand. So he got really mad at her for taking summer classes and prioritizing finals. Um, And then he dumped her via text because she wouldn't stop setting instead of giving him blowjobs and sex. Oh, my fucking God. And he considers himself a huge feminist. (laughs) Um, And he's a high school teacher. He pressured her into do BDSM stuff that she wasn't comfortable with. She'd tell him, you're hurting me, and he'd keep doing things. And he'd shame her and call her vanilla for not wanting to have sex in front of his first floor window naked. My God. He just, like, seemed totally unbothered by the idea of hurting her. But also, like, he says he's a feminist. So he's... She's just talking about, like, one of those fake feminists who... They just show that they're untrustworthy. And she's like, now I don't know if I can trust anyone. Going back to the... The girl I was talking about that I dated who had the boyfriend in high school mm-hmm. uh, who would sexually assault her, um, she told me and showed me that at the school he went to, he was on their like student government. He was seen as like this liberal, like super well-known feminist guy, and it was kind of the same situation where she was like, if he's a feminist, why would he 
have done that. Yeah, it's because he's not. You can't just call yourself a feminist. Exactly. Yeah. And then do whatever the fuck you want. Like, that doesn't make you a feminist in any goddamn way. Yeah. And I feel like that is, like, a further betrayal because you're like, I can trust you. Like, Mm -hmm. we have the same beliefs. Like, you understand the struggles I have, but no. Okay, so then she kind of talks about some of her experiences at law school. So apparently, I didn't know this, in law school, like, they have a really, like, high alcohol culture like lawyers have the highest alcohol rate amongst all professions lit yeah uh, me and mike are both going into law after we graduate so that's good to know and like she has this guy that she kind of sees as like her father figure and like they hang out together at parties and stuff and she's always really grateful um because he makes her feel safe and like not assaulted like not like he's ever gonna assault her and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. But there's this one guy, or like she's, she always thinks like there's always this expectation of part of a hookup culture along with alcohol. And there's this one guy who they've had class together for three years and he can't pronounce her name correctly. Like she's not, so she's not white. So mm-hmm. because she has like an ethnic name, he's like un- incapable apparently of saying it correctly. And he oh. also doesn't try. And she was like, there's a minimum level of respect to know someone's name. Like, He's flirting with her, but she does, and she's like, you don't even know my name, though. So, like, what's your deal? Yeah. And it makes her think that, like, he doesn't see her as a full person. So she talks about, like, how she wishes she could go back in time and, like, teach herself when she was younger. Like, you're worth it, and, like, you don't have to, like, you need to go with your gut and that kind of a thing. So she had this issue with this guy that she met on Bubble, Bumble. They went on five or six dates, and then he invited her over to make fo- dinner and a football game. To make a football game? To make a... That sounds yes. like a lot of work. Make, make football and watch dinner. <laughs> make football great again. We got um, her. Fuck you guys. <laughs> so it's a 5.30 game. She gets there at 5. And then at halftime, she asks about dinner, and he has a hell of fresh meal get ready. So he couldn't figure out how to make turn on the oven, oh. and she did it. Is it Mike? And, and she was like, is this, like, a wife test? And then she stayed until the game was over, and he asked her to watch a movie, and she's like, I can't stay awake for a movie. And he's like, okay, let's watch a TV show instead. And she's like, no, I need to go home, or I can stay here. Um, but they didn't talk about this previously, and they're not really exclusive, so she's like, I don't have anything here, and I, like, I don't have any clothes or anything, so I'm not going to sleep here. Mm-hmm. And he kept pressing her, and she kept making excuses and then as she was leaving, he cornered her in between her living room and the front door. He pushed her up against a wall and kissed her, and she was like, I'm not sure if you considered this romantic. And he goes, are you sure you don't want to stay? Oh, God. And then Come he on, man. Read the fucking room. And then he wouldn't let her leave without making plans. So they made plans, and then she canceled. Good. And then he asked her to be his girlfriend via text. And then he kept texting her for three weeks. So that's all fucking weird. Yeah. So that's uh that's Jane Doe three. Wow. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's a all a an all encompassing statement. Uh, response to that is, get your shit together, men. Come on, <laughs> yeah, you can do better. You really should. I agree. We have a fine example right here with us in the form of Reginald. Yeah, Reginald is a good guy. Nice person. Not a fucking creep. Yeah, and like it doesn't can... take much to not be a creep, also. Yeah, also <laughs> physically that. grab someone or try to control where they're looking, or like I, make I random comments on their appearances. I <laughs> did almost get in a fight on the O Street in Lincoln here 
once uh, because of a man pushing a woman into a wall and kissing Whoa! her. And I, I ran into him and c- pretended to spill my drink on him. Oh. And then he kept going and then I pushed him off of her and he proceeded to start shoving me and then the security took him out. But Good. Well, Did she say is, anything? Yeah, she said thank you. Oh, okay. Moral of the story is, yeah, Reginald! Reginald! Moral of the story is, don't go to the Fat Toad ever. Yeah, ever. the Fat Toad's a good place. But yes. also, Reg, 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 Reg. Like, that also brings up a good point. Like, I feel like sometimes, like, especially like when we're talking about topics like this, men might think, like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, I can't compliment you. I can't, like... I have to be careful with what I say. Like, how can't can call I... you hot? What? <laughs> I like. How do I be like a good support, mm-hmm. like supportive role for my female friends and maybe a significant other? And that, like, I think bystander intervention is like the number one thing that guys should do. Like, mm-hmm. use your privilege to help us out. Agreed. And there are lots of guys that do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Like, I have had plenty of friends, especially back when I was in Kansas who would see me talking to a random dude and their first reaction was to come like walk over put their arm around me and be like hey i need to go talk to you about something and like get me out of it and then be like did you actually want to be talking to that dude and i could be like yes or no and mm-hmm. either not go like go back and talk to that dude or not exactly yeah, yeah. um this is a long story but i'll sh- give like a sparks notes version me and one of my me and my one of my exes were at a movie theater and like we were in line and we were gonna see this movie and I worked at the movie theater at the time, so I brought my uniform because like the next morning I had to wake up really early, so I just brought my uniform in that way I could change like whenever I got in, and I told him like okay I'm gonna go to the break room you stand in line and he's like okay, so then as I leave the break room he passes me to go to the bathroom and I was like what the fuck like why don't you wait. So then he comes back, and I'm like, why didn't you wait? And he's like, we were the last in line. And I was like, okay, cool. And then he just starts screaming at me. <laughs> like, he yeah. just he just goes off on me. And at first, I'm just kind of shocked. But then I'm like, um. In, in public, in the middle of a fucking popcorn line. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, and, like, I work here. Like, this is my place of work. Like, this is where I spent so many hours a week, like, standing there looking around at people. So I'm just kind of in shock at first. And then eventually I'm just like, I cannot do this. I'm like, can you stop? Like, can we do this tomorrow? Like, I just want to enjoy tonight. He doesn't stop. I just get on my phone. I ignore him. And then this guy, there's this couple in front of us, and they turn around. And I felt my heart, like, drop in my stomach because, like, I don't really like arguing with people in public because, like, I'm always nervous of, like, a stranger being, like, shut up or just, like, a stranger being, Mm -hmm. like, okay, obviously, like, you're in the wrong random girl, like, shut the fuck up. But he turns around and he's like, is that your girlfriend? And my ex is like, yes. And he's like, well, why are you talking to her like that? And then my ex starts apologizing to this random fucking dude, and the dude's like, no, like, apologize to her. I don't know what your deal is. Mm -hmm. And his girlfriend turns around and asks me if I was okay, and I just kind of burst into tears. But, like, I've never I maybe if I've seen those people, I would remember, but... If you maybe hear this, <laughs> I cannot thank you enough. Like, that was such a relief for me to feel, like, not only was I with someone else standing up for me when I, like, was unable to stand up for myself, but also, like, they were validating how, that I was feeling like I was not being treated pro- appropriately. Like, regardless of what I have done, I don't deserve to be screamed at in public. 
especially when I ask you, like, can we talk about this in private? So, yeah, stand, be that fucking guy for your friends. like And for strangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for Definitely. strangers. Like, they'll really appreciate it, and little to nothing will go wrong. Yeah, worst case scenario, they tell you, like, oh, no, this is, like, my boyfriend, and we're, like, this is okay. Yeah. So thank you, though. This is fine. Yeah. And then what? Like, then you just move on. Okay, so this is our final Jane Doe. Huge content warning. This is pretty fucked up, so I'm just going to dive right in. So um, I've known her for a few years, actually, but I didn't know anything about this, so um, I feel like that speaks to just, like, how much people, like, mask really fucked up shit. And she keeps a journal for her therapy, so she, like she kind of has, like, pretty clear ideas of what happened. I will say this before we get into things and, like, before you really start to just, like, sob over the fate of this girl. She does feel a lot more stable, and the longer things move on, the more safe she feels. And she finally understands how she should be treated um, to the point where she can talk to her professors about microaggressions that they exhibit in class. And she, you know, like, she now knows, like, it's not that I'm not bringing good ideas to the class, and it's not that I'm less valuable. I'm just a woman, and that's okay. So let's go to her high school years. So like a lot of people, she thought dating was an expectation and um, she's always grown up with, you should give people a chance and you shouldn't be mean and say no. And these are things that she's heard from parents and trusted sources in society. She's like, they, they all say like, you know, don't be mean to boys, they'll be persistent. Her middle school health teacher said, they'll keep trying until they get what they want. So. She said this whole saga that I'm about to say is a bunch of weird stuff that she doesn't really have a grasp on, but we'll try to talk through it. So she, her freshman year, she thinks harassment is kind of normal. There's this one group of boys in her class that specifically picked on her a lot, and she's small, the small, nice-looking, white, blonde girl with, like, big blue eyes, and I think that's just kind of, like, a normal, like, universal, like, I can take advantage of you because you look nice. So these boys, like, would pick on her a lot in class. And one of them was the homecoming king, like, the popular boy, like, the dream boy that every girl, like, fantasizes after in high school. And she didn't really understand that this harassment was wrong. She just thought it was, like, them just, like, joking around and being normal. And he kept asking her out on dates and, like, going to dances and formals. And then they started dating. But here's the thing. He's a senior in high school, so he's like 17 or 18. She's a freshman. She's 14 or 15. So I'm not going to say anything about age differences, like, really, but I do think, especially, like, the younger you are, the, like, normal age differences when you're an adult are extreme, and, like, there's, like, a huge different power dynamic. Like, uh, I can't imagine being a freshman in high school dating a senior just like I couldn't imagine being a senior in college dating a freshman. Yeah. Like, our yeah. worlds are just so different right exactly. now. I think it's especially when you're in different stages of school, like, just because each year you've learned so much more on in so many different aspects. And, and like, you're, in, you're such yeah. a different person from when you start high school mm-hmm. to when you end high school. Same with college. Like, uh, I just don't think that is ever... I don't know. It's just something weird about it. Yeah, you're and in like, a completely different stage of life too. Like yeah, yeah freshman it, in high school, you're just starting. I mean, yeah. like once you like once you're like a senior and like you're getting like your degrees after, I feel like the age difference is a little bit less mm-hmm. 
uncomfortable and like a little bit less of an issue. But at these ages, I, I think it's just too big to overlook. Mm-hmm. So he's a, so she's saying like I'm a child at this point, and he's becoming an adult. And the dyna- she mentions like the power dynamic is just immense. So he immediately started to constantly ask her to have sex, and it was a lot of pressure. Like and he would act like she was a bad person for not giving it to him. Um, he would say demeaning things, and he would say things like I'm the only one who's going to care about you. And as a child, you don't understand. And her school had like zero sex, zero sex education, so she didn't have any context or understanding what consent or sex education really was. And she also thought like this is just what high school relationships are. Like this is the norm. Like you have sex, and like you just this is a normal thing. However, within a month, he started getting physically violent. Like he would push her against walls, and she kind of blocked a lot of this out, which makes the whole story a little tricky. She would, she like, I guess, has empty spots in her memory because mm-hmm. she wants to shut as much of this out as possible. Yeah. So she doesn't have any specifics, um, memories of him hitting her, but he did make it make it perfectly clear to her that he was physically dominant and he would like hold her down a lot to like show her that. Wow. So the sexual violence also started. They didn't have sex right away. He would drive to like weird parking places. Um, that she didn't like know where to come back from. So in South, she's from South Dakota. So there, when you're 14, you can get your permit. So at this point, he's been driving for four years. She barely knows how to drive. Like even if she managed to escape from him somehow with his car, Mm -hmm. there's no way like she's comfortable enough to drive home alone. And he knew his way around town and everywhere that he took her, but she didn't know. And often they would go in the dark. So she'd feel completely trapped. So their first date, he would do something like, like he did that. He drove off somewhere that they didn't know. And he started taking off, or that she didn't know where to go. And he started taking off her clothes without asking, um, even though they didn't really know each other at this point. And then he said demeaning things about her body, like the fact that she barely went through puberty. And he would say that there's something wrong with her. And he would take off her shirt and say, like, you don't have boobs. And she's like, not everybody goes through puberty at that point. So I didn't think it was that weird. Mm-hmm. And so many times he'd trap her in between seats, expose her from the waist down, and he wouldn't let her move. So it started with, he just started, like, like raping her with his hands, like, fingering her without her consent, and then he would just full-on rape her. Mm. Um, he'd take her to his house where, when his parents weren't home because, you know, as a senior in high school, you can, like, leave the school for lunch. Mm-hmm. And that's when she remembered she got, he knocked the wind out of her one time. So this started in, like, November, December, and it ended, like, once he graduated high school in May. So keep that in mind. Like, this is a fairly long amount of time for this to be happening. So she has an allergy where she doesn't respond well to condoms. Like, they hurt her. So she tell him it would hurt, and she thinks he got off on that, like, the fact that that made it worse. And then because of the repeated exposure to the condoms... She thinks it made her allergy worse, so she's not sure if now she's, like, really sensitive to materials that are in condoms. So she, latex. Yeah, so she, she thinks it might be worse now because of all this. Mm-hmm. So this happened at least twice a week, three times on average, um, and then at least once or twice during the weekend. He also solicited child porn from her. Keep in mind, he's, like, 18, and she's 14 or 15 at this point. And she internalized all of this, 
she had bad friends and they blamed her like why are you having sex so young why are you such a slut and she was in deep denial like she totally blamed herself she rationalized to herself also like i'm choosing to let him do this like this is my decision and he would say things like this is what you deserve this is all you're gonna get she went to a big school so she didn't know why so many people were so involved in her relationship unless they were trying to help her but it didn't really seem like that like a lot of people blamed things that were going on in the relationship on her and not on him. So people would ask things like, why is she doing that? She's such a slut. Um, but no one would say anything towards him like for perpetrating this violence. And she now knows that she never wants to be like someone around someone like that again. Like when she meets people that remind her of him, she kind of panics. And then they eventually broke up because his parents told him you could be tried in court if you continue having sex with this child. Not because he was raping her, her, but because she's too young. Wow. So uh, that's what he told her, and she was so dependent on him. She was completely isolated, and she was devastated. Like, she was so manipulated. Like, she accepted that as her reality, and it was completely gone. And she talks about how her parents were really hands-off, and they were a little judgmental towards them, and... They weren't really supportive. She's close to her sister, but her sister's four years younger. So at this point, like, yeah. totally, like, you can't talk to her about that, yeah. nor can she do anything to help you. So after that, he said he broke up with her because he could go to jail. And she talks about, like, how he probably wouldn't have because apparently in South Dakota, they've had 500 rape kits that they just threw out because they couldn't handle oh my testing them. God. So even if it was reported, like, who knows if anything would have happened. And she says, like, the fact that he used a condom shows that he had some awareness there because he didn't want, like, he didn't want repercussions from this. He didn't want her to be able to get tested, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And he was also, he also told her, you can never tell anyone about this because he didn't want to get in trouble. So she didn't, but the next year, his best friend started harassing her. So she thought they were friends, you know, because, like, the three of them would do things together. Like, they'd go to the movies, they'd talk, they'd go sledding. But she says one time she specifically specifically remembers both of them making demeaning comments and making her sit on her car subwoofers saying, this is going to turn you on. Aww. And she's like, I'm surprised that they never ganged up on me together. So she thinks her ex told her, his best friend about this kind of stuff, kind of like the silence her thing. And this is what's going to happen if anyone finds out. So she thought he didn't think of her sexually. I mean, like, which is fair because her ex and this guy have always made these comments on how she doesn't look like she's been through puberty mm. and, like, looks like a child. So by saying that, she's just <laughs> like, okay, obviously they're not into me. So she went over to his house one day mid-afternoon because... He had knee surgery and was on his crutches, and he couldn't, like, really leave the house. So she, like, wanted to visit him just to say hi. But because he was impaired, she's also embarrassed because she thought she could defend herself. But she's, like I said earlier, she's short and she's small. Because of all these things, all these things with her ex, um, she wasn't really hungry. Like, her appetite was gone, so she was even weaker than before. Like, she wouldn't eat, and she had no energy. So, essentially, she just wasn't healthy. So he started kissing her out of nowhere, and she was so surprised, she just kind of froze because she didn't have control so many times with her ex. And then he just raped her. And she said, this was so surprising because I knew it was wrong, but I thought I'd explain that to me by my, 
but I had that explained to me by my abuser before. So she talked to him at school, and he dismissed it, and he said, I was right to do that. I knew you wanted to do it, slut. The rest of the year, she was assigned to work with him on projects, and she said it was terrible to be in a room with him, but it was even worse being forced to be nice with him. Uh, She felt so much blame, and she didn't want anyone to know, so she didn't tell anyone. She also didn't really have the words to describe what happened to her. She just says, I hope everybody that judged me misunderstood the situation. All of this contributed to chronic pain she's had for years and eventually just went away. Moving to a new place and being safer really helped. But she barely went to school for a couple couple years earlier because of all these things. So after this, she's gotten really into sexuality, learning about feminism, social justice. And then she was raped by two of her friends that year. And one of them was one of her closest friends from middle school and high school. So at the end of the year, he confesses his feelings for her, says, you owe this to me. He ex- she explained to him, I, didn't, I don't owe you things and I didn't want to do this. But it had been a while because uh, other friends weren't around and she had a panic attack. So uh, she's having a panic attack talking to, talking to him, you know, like ca- remembering all these situations she was in with her ex and his friend. And then he rapes her. And she's like in the middle of a panic attack and she's like, you can't consent to a panic attack. He'd been a safe person to her for so many years, and she just froze once again. Like, it just couldn't happen, and this is something that she says is unforgivable. Yeah, how do you fucking trust anybody after that? Yeah. So she has STI testing. She's hiding it from her parents, explaining it to her doctors who are just saying, like, you shouldn't be in these situations, and they blamed her. And she told her pediatrician, and her pediatrician didn't say anything either. So she's just like, I've been re-victimized over and over and over again. So the second situation where she was ripped by a friend was her senior prom date. They, this is before prom. He's a hockey team dude. So the people at her school, like all the men that she was dealing with were fairly wealthy. He was probably one of the least privileged people on the team, but privileged nonetheless. His older brother too was... His older brother was also an abuser with an, a foreign exchange friend. Yeah, so she thought like this day would be casual, and the first and then the first time that they had sex, she was completely frozen. She didn't consent. She didn't have any romantic interests, but she just kind of froze. And then she had thought of all this trauma and her allergy problems, and she just she just kind of freaked out. He also didn't use a condom, so there was so much blood. She started scarring really bad, and she was like, it wasn't like a period. But it was so painful that I blamed myself so much and I was in so much pain. And it was all just because I wanted to go to prom with him. And she just thought, like, this is how life is. Like, this is what happens to everyone. This is normal. Like, this is how it goes on. And he would go and, like, do these raping episodes with her for about a month. Wow. So she's been in therapy for two and a half years. And she's very afraid to be alone in the same room as men, which I completely understand. Definitely. And she gets in trouble often in her classes because she feels like like the men in the room are coming to get after her. But she talks about, like, microaggressions a lot and is, like, really good at, like, recognizing them and, like, talking to people about them. And she says, like, smaller instances feel like they're a lot bigger, so I just need to address them. So um, all of these people that have abused her were privileged white men who had a lot of money um, relatively to, like, normal people. They knew that they could do anything to her and have little to no consequences. Her ex, the one that raped her from the very beginning, he messaged her a lot. She didn't block him until she joined college or started college. 
he would send her things like birthday messages, like, hope you miss, I miss you, I hope you're doing okay, that kind of a thing. Wow. Eventually she blocked him. Yeah, and she's like, it's fucked up that I need so much time and money just to survive in medication because of all these things. So she needed to go out of state because she just, like, needed to get away. And one of her, one of the aunts of her ex worked at the school. She was an English teacher. She's, and her aunt was saying how, his aunt was saying, one of her nephews dropped out of college, and she's not sure if this is her ex or not. And she said terrible things about how people are asking for it, creating a stance that you can't ask for it. Like, pretty much just, like, blaming victims when it comes to sex. Like, mm-hmm. rape. Um, so it's a fun family ordeal. Yeah, fun fam. So she talks about how she moves to Lincoln and she likes it. She was still affected by the rape by her friend in college because he was a fake feminist and she really didn't understand what rape was yet, but she was, like, slowly learning as she's been in college. She had the first healthy sexual relationship that summer where she where they were asking for consent and she felt safe and it was a friend Uh, But it was long distance, so they broke things off. So then she has, like, two unhealthy situations where she slept with people, like, once she started college. Because at this point, she's like, okay, it's college. I can, like, reclaim my sexuality. Like, this is my time. Um, But the first one, there was consent. He noticed the condom broke, and they had non-latex condoms. That way, like, she wouldn't be as hurt. However, they're less reliable, and they break more often. He noticed, and he didn't tell her, and then he came inside of her. Wow. So she was like, I was on the pill, but that's not good enough, because you could still get STIs from that. And that's still, like, non-consensual, completely. Yeah. Yeah. And the condom breaks. Yeah. Like, you don't have permission to do that, so you shouldn't carry on, and you should just Mm -hmm. fucking take off the condom and put on a new one. So she found out later, so she met this guy at a party, And she didn't realize that her skirt got lifted up momentarily because it was like a flowy skirt that you could spin in. Mm -hmm. And he lifted it up to look at her butt. What the fuck? Um, So her friend told her after they, after he, she brought him home. And she was like, my friend should have intervened. Like they should have said something. Mm -hmm. And then um, another, she was raped again at a frat party. Wow. Yeah. Later on. So here's another big one that happened to her. So she worked in California over the summer um, and she was like, the group that she was working with, like, she felt really safe around. There was a lot of women and non-cis men, so she just felt super comfortable and safe and validated and understood. I would also like to know that Jane Doe is bisexual. Not that that really matters, but she just felt like this is like a group of people that could really understand her and her identity, and she'd feel a lot less judged. She worked there. Everybody is, like, liberal. Her b- boss was female. Um, and this is the last day, so everybody is, like, meeting up for, like, one final party, and in the morning, she was going to go on a van and get to the airport. So they had a lot of parties there as a group before, and because, like, she felt so safe there, she thought this would be fine. Uh, but this party, there was a few less of her friends because they left earlier, um, like, to go home. So because she knew that there was not that many people around her, she only drank one beer, and someone she didn't know that well handed her a pipe and was like, you want to, you know, you know, like you want to smoke? And she smoked, she smoked uh, weed before. So she's like, yeah, like my tolerance is really high. Like I'm going to be fine. One hit isn't going to do anything to me. However, in hindsight, her therapist thinks that it was laced with PCP. Mm. Um, apparently you can spray PCP on pipes. 
So she didn't understand the situation, and she's kind of basing things on what people have told her, like uh, Voices of Hope and her therapist. But this is the best guess. That's just kind of what they're thinking. So she's suddenly fucked up. Like She's like, whoa, Like how did one hit do that to me? Like That has never happened before. Yeah. So this one guy asks her what's happening, and like their coworkers, and he asks her to go back with him to his place, and she's like, I don't really know. But there's not enough people that she's close to around, and she was just trying to have a, like, you know, like this nice, social, chill social time. Everybody's packing, like she just wanted to just chill and like say good her good her goodbyes. Um, but then she just has vague memories of being in his car, then being in his apartment. And his apartment was down this mountain, so it was hard to walk back up. Like, she would have to walk uphill for a long amount of time. And keep in mind, she's, like, fucked up from this PCP, so she she didn't really think it was possible. So she's not really sure how he got her in her car. Like, maybe he told her that they were going to go to her place. But she just remembers glimpses of his room. He had his own room, and there was, like, this weird massage table in there. And then his room was two twin beds pushed together, um, like making a mega bed. And he took off her dress. And she can't get herself to wear shift dresses anymore because of how easy it was for him to take it off. So he laid her down on the massage table. And then she has glimpses uh, of seeing the floor and then sensations on her body. So it felt like something was pouring, something poured on her. And then she felt like someone licking her body. And then she just felt like a bunch of other disgusting, weird things. Like, not your normal sexual mm-hmm. interaction, just some, like, freaky shit going on. So he's touching her everywhere, eating her out, licking her bump butthole, and this is, like, her weird visions that she's having. Mm-hmm. So she's in pain, and she is completely unable to move. So he knew that she had, like, four hours until the van was supposed to get him, supposed to get her. Um, So she must have told him when the bus was going to be there because he drove her back up. And she said that she just um, smelled like stale cigarettes and beer. And he was holding her up to stand, kissing her all over the face when they finally left his apartment. She was trying to wake herself up and get get her suitcase and get in the van. And then she got some coffee, but she couldn't sleep. And it was fucked up and drugged for for 48 hours. Whoa. And immediately after that, she went to bid day for her sorority. So she couldn't remember what happened for like a month. And she blocked them out for a while, but she eventually remembered. And then she just kind of, after that, I think, has been able to stay in more safe situations. Not that any of these situations were her fault, but she's just been been able to avoid super shitty people. She's been taking women in gender studies classes and learned to apply to herself. And then she's currently dating someone and he's he understands all of her experiences and she's finally been able to talk to him about it and they've had like really good um, interactions sexually and like just with their relationship. And it was also really hard for her to talk to her boyfriend about this initially though because she was raped and drugged but she felt like she wasn't sure if he'd think like she was cheating on him and just like was making up a situation. But he responded really well, um, and he kind of started to withdraw because he felt like he, it was his fault that it happened, 
and they didn't really talk over that summer, so she just felt really long, really um, guilty. But now they've kind of figured out how to talk to each other, and he understands her PTSD, and he's also been, like, really good about, like, learning and growing with her. So as she and I talked, we kind of talked about, like, how the age difference of a lot of these men was significant. Like, this last guy at the camp that she was working at, he was over 30, and she was just 19 when this happened. So once again, huge difference in age. Most of them were usually three years older than her. Yeah. Okay, this is like a weird side note, but her, she's talking, she was telling me about her ex, and she's kind of talking about like how his, everything he wanted sexually was like really demeaning. Like one time he broke into her mom's office building, and then he like forced her to give him head, but then he like put Nutella on his penis and like forced her to lick it off um, and she was like what a fucked up thing to ruin for me like now I can eat yeah, Nutella exactly which uh, is a bummer honestly wow and then he so uh, also during this exchange he pushed her on his knee on her knees and then called her a slut after she had bruises on her knees from that <laughs> like she's just like I could have been killed and like, so many domestic abusers often turn to gun, perpetrate gun violence, so she just feels, like, really fortunate that it never got there, but she's super close a lot of times. Yeah. Wow. So, thoughts? I don't know. I think, like, from both of these stories, it just seems like we're so willing to accept abuse in a relationship for so much longer than we would with a stranger because, like, we have this trust but I almost feel like we should be even more harsh, you know? Well, yeah, and it's also because you've invested time and energy into this person, and obviously if you're in a relationship with them, like, there are parts of that person that you're attached to and that you like and you see as, like, part of someone who you want to be with, and it's hard to detach yourself from that part of it and let yourself accept, like, oh, no, this person's fucked up and is not treating me right. Yeah. I think, like, all of my, like, any time I've really been abused was, like, someone that I was in a relationship with. Like, I don't really have stories of strangers doing things to me other than, like, annoying comments, like, when I was at the theater and that kind of a thing. But, like, like when I was in eighth grade, um, my, my virginity was like stolen from me like my boyfriend at the time raped me and it took me really long time to like come to terms with that and like even admit that but like it did definitely affect me like when I was in high school I was piece of shit to my parents like I was so angry and I would scream at them and I was so pissed all the time and finally like when I was a junior in high school my dad was like what's wrong with you like why have you been like this all these years like you it was like a, a, a switch was flipped and flip was switched. A flip was switched. And I finally told him. And I think that, like, made him understand where I was coming from a lot more. But, yeah, it's, I think it's definitely true. Like, those, the people that we care about the most are the ones who hurt you the most. Mm-hmm. And it's really unfortunate. But I also think, like, being in a relationship, you need to be able to be accountable for yourself. But also, like, recognize when someone's not treating you right, which is, super fucking hard like Mm -hmm. I don't mean to discount anything like that because I certainly understand how difficult it is like my ex that screamed at me in the movie theater like that wasn't the first time that he's like done something inappropriate to me 
and it um, wasn't the last time and like it takes a lot of time and a lot of thought and a lot of talking with people outside of the situation mm-hmm. to finally let yourself accept like this person that I care about is bad for me. is a bad person. Yeah. yeah, like it took me such a long time and like Mike and our other friends we're just like slowly over time, like we don't really like him. Like <laughs> he's not that nice to you. He's not that nice to us. Like maybe you should reevaluate things. And like at first I was pissed. Like at first I was like, "Fuck these bitches!" Like <laughs> <laughs> they're telling me how I should like live my life and who or who I shouldn't love. But now I'm like, "Oh my fucking god! Why did I take so long to listen to them? Like why didn't I just from the get go be like, yeah, you're right. It's not that important.'" There's new boys. Yeah, and you don't want it to, like, burn bridges like that, but sometimes that happens. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, shit, I fucked up, and I didn't see these things that they were telling me. And yeah. It's, yeah. it's important to take a step back and just evaluate. Yeah. Sure. Like, you should evaluate, like, am I having sex with my partner because I want to or because I feel like I have to? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like you have to, like, maybe you should talk to them about that and mm-hmm. see how they respond, like... If they flip the fuck out, then that's an issue, and they might be guilty of that and just, like, unwilling to talk about it. I'm looking at it from the other perspective, too. Like, are you forcing them to? Yeah. From both sides. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. does it seem like they're actually 100% invested in it? or Yeah, are they reluctant? Like exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or is it every time, like, you have to like, convince them or think mm-hmm. of, like, some new shit to say to exactly. make them want to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both sides are important, for sure. Um, do either of you have lessons from your past relationships you would like to tell our guests? Well, mine's a little old, but it was last half of high school and then about the first year of college. I was dating this guy, and it was a two, two-year relationship that probably should have lasted six months. Hindsight's twenty twenty, once again. Um, but... It kind of, it's a very long story, but basically things started happening where, well, I'll start with this. So the first big thing was he was a pretty manipulative dude, and he slowly but very successfully isolated me from my friends, even my best friends. Like, I, by the end of that relationship, or I guess towards the end, um barely saw them didn't hang out with them unless it was like pretty much a school related activity because if I tried to go out with it got to the point where if I tried to go hang out with my friends um these people that I had known for years and years longer than I'd known him um I would go and I would come right back to his parents house to hang out with him more and he would just sit there and give me the silent treatment. He would not talk to me, sometimes for days. I was still expected to come and sit with him while he, like, watched TV and stuff. But if I um, decided to hang out with my friends for a couple hours, I was totally shunned and, to- like, made to feel totally guilty for leaving for just even a few hours you to go hang bitch. out. Yeah, I know. What the fuck is wrong with me? Um, And when... So... And that got really bad for a long period of time, and it made it so that I just didn't go to hang out with people. And then, kind of like in the last six months or so of that relationship, I decided I am going to start hanging out with my friends again. I love them. I miss them. It's okay that they're important to me. 
because part of it was that like he made me feel like oh maybe I he sh maybe he should be the most important thing and maybe he should be the priority at all times but I finally started to realize like and this is because my friends started telling me like why have you fucking stopped hanging out with us like do you like him do you, have you just decided that like he's more important and it kind of snapped me out of it and made me realize like I've made my friends feel like shit and like I don't care about them and I do so fuck this boy like I will keep like I'm gonna keep dating him but I'm just gonna hang out with my friends again and at this point he started escalating the manipulative shit for example so my <laughs> I have some pretty progressive parents so he would sleep over at my house all the time this in, about, high school. In, in high school <laughs> yeah. dream world <laughs> <laughs> and it would this started happening like just every once in a while at first and then more and more frequently as time went on I would, um, well, he would think I had fallen asleep or I had actually fallen asleep and I'd kind of half wake up while he was doing it, but I would wake up and he would be on my phone and he knew my passcode because like I just wasn't like trying, I wasn't putting an effort to keep it from him. I'm sure he'd like seen me put it in my phone a million times and I'd wake up and he'd be on my phone and I just wouldn't say anything. I'd pretend to be asleep, but I kind of became aware that he was waiting for me at night to fall asleep so he could go through my phone. Um, and so after I realized it was happening, I would purposefully put my phone under myself um, so that he couldn't get it and like look through it because I was too uncomfortable to say anything because I didn't want to start a fight and I didn't want to make an awkward situation. So I would just put it under myself when I knew I was about to fall asleep. And still, I would wake up to him like, trying to sneakily pull my phone out from under me. Weird. And, like, I just never... It was, again, one of those, like, just waited out situations where I still... I didn't say anything, but, like, he would physically pull my phone out from under me while I was sleeping, like, thinking he was being so fucking sneaky and then sitting up on my phone for, like, an hour, going, pouring through everything. And I would go back through and, like, you know, on an iPhone, you can see what apps have been opened. Mm -hmm. And I would go back through, and it would be shit like he would be looking through my notes app and stuff. <laughs> like, not just my social media and things. Yeah. He was going deep, like, into random, the random depths of my phone. Like, intense stuff. And yeah. so after that, those kinds of things, I was just completely turned off by the whole situation. But I was also so invested, and he was such an integral part of my life. Like, I was very reliant on... I guess maybe not necessarily him, but on the relationship itself. So, um, but I was just very turned off by him. I did not want to sleep with him anymore. I didn't want to have any sort of sexual relationship with him. Like, I just couldn't be attracted to him like that anymore because I was so disenchanted by all the shitty manipulative stuff that he apparently thought was completely fine. Mm -hmm. And so I would we'd be alone at his parents' house or something and he would want to have sex with me and it I finally did get to the point where I would just tell him like no I don't want to right now and he would guilt me into having sex with him and like he first he would get all upset and be like you're not are you not attracted to me anymore like what's wrong with me like what have I done wrong and like at that point I probably should have said like no, I'm not attracted to you anymore because I've been, like, watching you look through my phone every fucking night, you asshole. But um, he would guilt me into having sex with him, and I just kind of, it's another one of those things where it's like, 
okay, I will get through 10 minutes of just laying here and faking it so that I don't have to be shunned for the Ten next two days. 10 minutes is a stretch. 10 minutes. <laughs> 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 Honestly, though. But yeah, it was the, I don't want to be doing this. I am not into this. I have verbally told him, like, I don't want to sleep with you. Mm-hmm. He still managed to, like, guilt me into it. So it was the whole sit, like, wait it out, lay there, let him do his thing so that you don't have to be shunned and, like, put in the corner and have to feel even more guilty for the next couple days while he, like, tries to make you feel bad. Mm -hmm. What was that story with him um, after you got your wisdom teeth out? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. So senior year of high school, second semester senior year, I got my wisdom teeth taken out, and, you know, they drug you up really well. Um, Mm. And, yeah, it's fun. And (laughs) my parents are really, really busy um, that time of year, so um, this boy that I was dating offered to pick me up after I had my surgery because my parents were both at work, and they would have had to, like, it was difficult for them to leave and come get me. So he picked me up, and we went to, he took me to his dad's house afterwards. And, like, I'm all drugged up, like, in a lot of pain, like, coming in and out. And my two best friends at the time, um, Emily and Sadie, wanted to come visit me. And because, like, it's funny, like, I'm all drugged up. Like, it's funny when people are on those drugs and, like, Mm -hmm. I told it, I told him, and then beforehand, like, yes, absolutely come over. Like, I want you to see me, and, like, please come fuck with me. Mm-hmm. It'll be funny. Um, and they also wanted to do, like, they also wanted to be nice. Like, they brought me ice cream and stuff, and, like, um, so they come downstairs, and I'm in his bed, and, like, very out of it. But I do remember, like, they were... They were invited over, and it was fine, and I had asked for this to happen... And the second they get there, he comes downstairs. They sit down with me on the bed and start, like, talking to me and stuff, and it's normal and fine. And I notice he has sat himself down in the corner of his room, arms crossed, just looks pissed, like, will not say a fucking word. And this is another thing. Like, when I would try to get him to hang out, like, there were some times where after he obviously hated it that I would go to hang out with my friends, I would try to include him and invite him Mm -hmm. to do stuff with me and my friends. And he either would refuse to go... For example, my senior year prom, he would not go and then got mad when I, like, took a platonic friend with me. Fuck this guy. (laughs) Makes me so mad talking about it. Um, Where was I? Oh, but then he... So when he would hang out with my friends, like, occasionally he would just sit in complete silence, like, not fucking talk to them, was, like, visibly... Like, look visibly angry. So then I'd obviously try to get him away as quickly as possible and just go hang out with him alone because it's awkward and it makes you feel bad, and you are you feel bad that you're the friend that's brought their boyfriend that is obviously in a bad mood and doesn't want to be there. And so as they're, like, talking to me and trying to take care of me a little bit and stuff, and, like, um, he's obviously, like, pissed off and sitting in the corner, and he, like, they're there for maybe five minutes, maybe less than that even, and he suddenly gets up and asks them to leave and, like, kicks them oh, out, God. and he's like, no, she's, like, in no condition for you guys to be here. Like, I think you need to go. And like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like I have asked my friends, like before I was drugged up, asked my friends to come and see me because I really wanted them to. And he kicks them out and tries to tell them like, like tries to get all macho, like possessive. Like, I know what's best for her. Like you guys are just her best friends that have known her for 10 years. No Mm -hmm. big deal. 
um, and like kicks them out. And that was that's something that that was one of those moments, one of the big ones where I was like, this is obviously not right. And mm-hmm. like, because then that was also something that they could talk to me about specifically yeah. afterwards and be like, we thought that was really weird. And like, we were kind of concerned because he got very possessive and kind of aggressive towards us about his possession of you and yeah just a lot of creepy manipulative gross stuff and he's not a nice kid hopefully he's better now i don't know we were pretty young i hope he's who knows i hope he's not a dick now but (laughs) at the time he really was a piece of work and it's so interesting to look back and especially because they're like i spent so much time with him there are a lot of instances that i don't remember but there are things, especially after we broke up, like my friends would start to tell me, like started coming out with their observations of things mm-hmm. and like instances that they saw that they thought were weird. And it was really interesting to look back then and realize with the clarity of post breakup, I'm packing my bags and moving to fucking Nebraska mm-hmm. <laughs> of looking back and being able to realize like, wow, these situations were really fucked up and weird. Like, why didn't I do anything about it in the moment? Like, we de- I definitely could have said something any of the times he was looking through my phone thinking I was asleep. I could have opened my eyes and been like, I caught you, motherfucker. What are you doing, you dick? That's my private property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I feel like in relationships, like, when things aren't going well, you either get submissive and just, like, sh- like do not say anything and just go along with things. That way you're, like, avoiding conflict. Yeah. Or, like, I get angry. So, like, if I'm, like, my uh, past ex, like, he was no fucking prince. Let me fucking tell you. Like, he was mean <laughs> to my friends, mean to me. I can confirm he was mean to her friends. <laughs> he was mean to my, like, he would push me on several occasions, like, grab my arms and my wrists, like, Be really. aggressive in public. Yeah, like, not a nice It dude. didn't matter where they were. But I definitely wasn't that great either. So, like, now I have the insight, like, if I'm dating someone and they make me angry, like, I know why. Like, they're obviously bringing out, like, a bad part of my a part of me. And, like, I think abusers should also keep this in mind. Like, if you feel this weird rage towards your significant other, like, you might want to evaluate why, like... Maybe it's because you just hate women in general, and, like, if so, like, you should probably get some help. Maybe you have some specific qualms with her in the moment, and then, like, you should try to talk that out. Or maybe just, like, they're not the right one for you, and you need to be able to accept that and, like, move on instead of forcing this relationship. Yeah. Um, do you have anything, Reggie? Uh, yeah. Uh, my most recent uh, ex, I guess. Uh, she was kind of... Wait, sidebar. <laughs> Me and Mike are good friends with Reggie's current yes. significant other. Good friends is an understatement. Yeah, so yes. this is amusing for us to listen to. Very, very yeah. amusing. Yeah. Okay, so um, very insightful. <laughs> but uh, she was very possessive, I would say. Like, she wanted to be over every night. Uh, just like hang out all the time, all the ways, be studying together, stuff like that. And there was a lot of like, especially when you start a relationship, you're like, oh, this person wants to be with me all the time. Yeah, so it's I want to, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're so in that's the honeymoon phase. Like, exactly, you want to be around each exactly. other all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's how it was for a while. And I, I was like embracing it, like, oh, cool, this cool girl wants to be with me all the time. And it 
hit a point where especially like i don't know like emotionally and sexually it never quite felt right mm-hmm. mm, yeah. and like there would be moments where it felt like she switched and it would be like she snapped or something and she would yell at me for some reason and I'd be like I'm a very submissive person where I don't like conflict and you guys know that our mutual significant, significant other, other <laughs> person I like that I like uh, that label yeah <laughs> is very much the same way I am yeah not yeah. Non-fighter. Yeah, exactly. We're both very, let's talk it out or hug it out or whatever. (laughs) But anyways, she, like, we went on spring break together and visited my cousin. And there were moments where it was awesome. And then there was moments where she would, like, yell at me for wanting to do something else. Or, like, Mm -hmm. there were, like, she gave me the silent treatment for, like, half an hour while we were walking in a downtown area. And I was, like what is the problem? Like I was trying to ask questions and be like, what is going on? And I thought it was like, I fucked up like majorly and Mm -hmm. stuff. And there were just red flags like that all along. And it finally came to the point where, uh, I had just gotten a new internship and was super excited about it. And like, was awesome. Like my first like big internship. And then she, when I was telling her about the interview afterwards, she was like, I just don't really want to hear you talk about like your work as much as you do. Uh-huh. And I was like, Boo. like Boo. I I feel like I don't talk about it that often. Like Yeah, and so sidebar, like Reggie's that. work is like super fucking cool. Like <laughs> Yeah, like very interesting stuff. And like yeah. Reggie's like really good at what he does. Like and... He shows us his work what he's working on all the time and we're all always like how the fuck do you do this? That's sick. Yeah, and like I mean, like it's don't... not boring work. He's <laughs> yeah. not like a fucking political science theory <laughs> person. He's got interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah. yeah. So that was definitely yeah that was definitely like the the flag at the end and that especially when I uh, met our mutual contact was something that was like lingering with me. So at first like I'm definitely not a person who's like let's go have sex right away but it takes me a while to like get comfortable with that person and especially with our mutual contact i will keep saying that (laughs) Uh, it took a while because i was like nervous and because i had that like residual like don't be mad at me for Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna fuck something exactly yeah there was was so much pressure on myself all the time like especially over the last summer to be like I can't mess anything up, so why try even talking to someone, I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was a lot of, like, hang out with someone for one or two nights or whatever and then just, like, never talk to them again because I was, like, I cannot, like, connect with that person because mm-hmm. I was afraid that they'd be, like, no, I don't want to hear it. No, I don't. Whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. stop talking or whatever. And then, obviously, it's been better since then. But mm-hmm. there's that was the biggest one for sure. Yeah, and I I think, like, for guys, sometimes it's really hard to talk about because, like, I don't know, like, I've heard with my exes and, like, their parent, like their parents talking to them, like, them making fun of them, like, oh, like, what's mm-hmm. your deal? Like, you know, you don't want someone, like, you don't want to get laid, like, you don't want yeah, this exactly. and that. Yeah, like, and stop being a pussy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, that's just so toxic, too, because, mm-hmm. like, exactly. you can, like, perpetrators can also be females and, like... Mm-hmm. The damage is just as damning. Yeah. Especially long term. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Any final thoughts? This was a long one. Yeah, that was it fucking was depressing. Sorry. Hey, Game of Thrones is on tonight. Yeah. Game, Game of Thrones is on tonight. <laughs> um, well, thanks, Reggie. And special thanks, Mike, for being here all four times. I should have made you pay me. Why did I not come up with a contract for this? That was really dumb on my part. She's technically a co-host. So, yeah. I am. I should... I want... New conditions. I'm labeled as co-host. Okay, I will say that. Co-host Mike Hunt. <laughs> I'll um, be here all week. If you didn't understand, if you didn't hear that Mike joke, Mike Hunt from will the be here all week. Oh my god. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, thank you and good, good night. night, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my god. <laughs> so, from listening to all these stories, the future looks kind of grim. These stories are really dark and. There's honestly no resolution for most of our genes, like they never get the justice that we should think that they deserve. However, I will say, all of them are still living and moving on. They were all strong enough to come and tell me, a complete stranger in most cases, their stories, and they were all willing to talk about it. Honestly, from doing this podcast, I myself have felt super validated. I felt like I was the only one that had the freeze moments and I was the only one who have ever had to pull the opossum move, but it's really validating knowing that other women have had to go through similar experiences. I talked to um, this woman named Marla and she works with Voices of Hope, which is an advocacy group for survivors of sexual assault or domestic abuse. I think the biggest thing that I learned from emailing back and forth with her was her description of a healthy relationship, which is something that we should all look at. So she describes a healthy relationship as, in a healthy relationship, there's mutual care and respect. Partners are invested in building each other up. They encourage them to grow in and out of the relationship. They value their partner's opinions, feelings, and experiences. Jealousy absolutely occurs in healthy relationships, but it's how it's addressed that makes the difference. Communication that is honest and open is essential for healthy interactions. Marla and I also kind of discussed how your friends can help. There's always someone out there that cares about you, whether it be your family, your family that you create on your own accord because you don't connect with your biological family, or your friends. So I asked her, how you would help a friend or acquaintance who you think may be in an unhealthy situation to get help. And she said, start with telling them that you're concerned. I've noticed when your significant other is around, you act different. Describe the reasons you're worried and ask him or her how they feel about it. Just open the door to a conversation. Your friend may not be receptive right away, but as long as they understand you just want what's best for them, they'll view you as a safe resource. Help them get to professional resources. Go with them to talk to an advocate. Seeking help can be really overwhelming. A friend can help to make the difference and that process a little bit less daunting. Watching a friend go through an abusive relationship can be really difficult, but leaving is a process, it's not once and done. So support your friend and avoid giving them ultimatums. An ultimatum makes the victim choose between their friendship and their partner, and that normally serves the perpetrator. One of the ways abuse continues is when the victim is isolated. If the victim doesn't feel supported by their friends and family, 
they'll be more likely to endure the abuse and stay in their relationship. So when I asked her how they help survivors, she said, Voices of Hope provides free confidential services to anyone who's experienced domestic and dating violence, sexual assault, or stalking. They focus on empowering survivors by giving them information and options for them to use to make the best decisions in their life. They also have a 24-hour crisis hotline and provide 24-hour crisis response to victims who come into contact with law enforcement or who go to the hospital due to an assault. They have walk-in advocacy services available on weekdays and no appointment is necessary. There's also support groups for sexual trauma and domestic violence. I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is if you feel like you're alone, you're not. There's other people that understand how big of an issue this is, even though our university or larger society may not address it. I know at UNL and other universities, there's often student advocacy groups. Like at UNL, we have Prevent. It's kind of questionable what difference students are willing to make if we're unwilling to talk about this as an entire society. I just keep thinking about how UNL PD didn't respond to my email and how it's so hard to get people to respond to me when I just ask them, how do you teach people about consent? I talked to Jan Deeds, and she works at the Women's Center at UNL. She's a little bit more optimistic about the resources the university can provide. But she's really focused with PREVENT and thinks that similar student-ran groups can provide more definitions because it'll be different if peers are telling each other how to act as opposed to adults talking to us. So maybe it's time we start stepping up. Maybe it's time we start listening to the victims, start hearing what we need, start figuring out how we can all work together to solve this problem. I don't really have the answers and I never really expected to, but this podcast has really taught me that I'm not alone and that if these other women can feel so empowered after all these awful things that have happened to them, maybe I can too. I think the best way of ending this podcast is with a few hopeful words from the survey. The last question I asked respondents was, if you've had any of these experiences, do you feel like your college experience changed somehow? 25.6% said no, and 74.4 out of the 43 respondents said yes. When I asked them to explain, these are their answers. I feel more enlightened and aware of what's going on around me. I think from my abusive boyfriend, I learned to be more independent and I became a stronger woman from that unfortunate experience. I I felt ashamed. I felt that if I shared my story with people, people would look at me differently. My boyfriend at the time blamed me because I was drunk and how did I know that I didn't say yes if I couldn't remember? I didn't want anyone to know. I became more weary of who I was friends with and which men I trusted to be in my life. It takes a lot of time for me to feel safe, alone with men now. I feel like these experiences opened my eyes to life. As a woman of color, I went to a predominantly white school where I was afraid to say no or speak up for myself out of fear of being labeled as an angry black woman or any other stereotype or slur. 
It was easy to believe and fear these things, especially when I had fellow women telling me that I was overreacting and that I should just let it happen. These statements alone showed me how some women have been brainwashed into thinking things are okay, that it's perfectly acceptable to just follow something to happen, regardless of how it makes you feel. And then, here's the final one. I enjoyed my time at my first college where all of this happened. It was just time for me to leave. I transferred to the college I listed above, and things have been going great ever since. Some of these experiences, though uncomfortable, helped me in a way, too. They happened at a time where I was trying to convince myself I wasn't gay, and well, that's not how it works. You can't just go have sex with a guy and suddenly become straight again. So in a weird kind of way, those two experiences helped me to finally be honest with myself. If that isn't helpful, I really don't know what is. It's nice to know that some people have found themselves through traumatic experiences like this. I honestly think I have too. And from talking to Jane Doe 1 through 4, it was just so nice talking to someone in person about our experiences because although our stories are very different, we have the same pain. It felt nice to validate someone else and tell them that they weren't being crazy. And it felt nice having them understand where I was coming from, too, and why I wanted to do this podcast. So thank you for listening, and I really hope you enjoy this series. It was a lot of fun to make, even though it was pretty depressing. So for the last time, goodbye. I'm Sophia Nocera, and this was 4 to 4.